stick up the slot. Miller lost it. Dodonov gets it. Two on one with Stone on the right. Stone to Dodonov. He scores. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Maybe a two on one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Millard Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the jam-packed show today. Jam-packed. We're going to get into last night's big win, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, really outclassing the Boston Bruins. It, it was a, a game where you know, I think a lot of things went right for the Vegas Golden Knights, making your own luck in the first game of a four-game road trip. Special teams continue to roll for the Vegas Golden Knights. Five-on-five play, really where you want it to be. Uh, we'll get into ratings later on in the program. Darren Millard, uh, we'll sit down with Pete DeBoer. We'll bring you that exclusive interview in hour number two. We've also got Ken Danico with the NHL Network. He's going to jump on. We'll, we'll get into a little bit of the Vegas Golden Knights and New Jersey Devils. Of course, that game is going to go tomorrow for both clubs. Uh, and we're going to just kind of dive into what the national media is saying about the Vegas Golden Knights. Where is this team now compared to where they were, say, I don't know, 10 games ago where you still had a lot of injuries. You were still navigating some of those waters where, you know, early on the Golden Knights dealt with a lot of adversity. And right now, uh, not fully healthy yet, there's still some notable players out of the lineup. Alec Martinez, Nolan Patrick still out of the lineup. Of course, uh, Jack Eichel and his return to uh, to hockey, his, his debut for the Vegas Golden Knights, that's coming in the near future, I would imagine. And, it, there's there's lots of questions I think surrounding this Vegas Golden Knights team. Where are they? And and you know with with Vegas's win last night, and, and Chapman you jump in whenever you want to here. But with the Golden Knights win last night, they now have the most wins in the Pacific Division. They've got 17 wins, most in the Pacific Division, in third place ahead of the Edmonton Oilers, and just a couple points back from the the Calgary Flames and three points back at the Anaheim Ducks with games in hand. Yeah, so, that's that's you know, the for, part I was going to say that should be noted. They've only yeah. played 28 games while Calgary's played 28, although sounds like they may not be playing any for a while, but the Ducks have played 30. So the Golden Knights, in theory, if they win those two games, they're actually ahead of the Anaheim Ducks by one point. And that's the thing about this road trip. And we talked about it all of last week, really, in, in the conclusion of the homestand going into this four-game road trip. Like, this was the best opportunity for the Vegas Golden Knights to move up the rankings within the Pacific Division. And the only way you're going to do that is to win hockey games. And you've got to start with the first game in front of you. And, you know, I think there were some question marks kind of going into that game. Brad Marchand uh, goes into COVID protocol early yesterday after morning skate. Today, Patrice Bergeron entered NHL's COVID protocol. Uh, He played in the game last night for the Boston Bruins. Uh, But the game went on, and the Golden Knights put together uh, another one of those 
I guess, vintage performances that you can expect from a Golden Knights team that's operating to their full potential. You know, I, I thought, you know, the Golden Knights, certainly in the game last night, um, we've talked about special teams. We've talked about the power play. And it was a theme last night on the, on the postgame show. Like, do you believe that the power play, that the special teams for the Golden Knights has kind of turned the corner? I, I know in the moment after Philadelphia that the penalty kill was the more concerning of the two trends with the special teams, uh, but it was also the one that I thought could be corrected immediately. It's the one that, you know, history would tell you with the Vegas Golden Knights, they're going to be able to figure it out on the penalty kill, and they're going to do it pretty quickly. And so I'm not surprised the penalty kill has kind of gotten itself back to its baseline. But, you know, I'm pretty surprised right now with with where the Golden Knights power play is. You know, and, and we talked about it with Darren Millard. It's one of those things where, you know, quietly, you don't realize that the Golden Knights power play is starting to go. It's three games in a row now with a power play goal for the Vegas Golden Knights, and they're coming in different ways. And and I think that's kind of the big thing for me. With with the Golden Knights power play success, a lot of it has to do with Max Pacioretty being Max Pacioretty, just being on fire, his shot, his skill set, and it it was working. But the last couple of power play goals for the Vegas Golden Knights – in utilizing Evgeny Dodonov in the bumper, in getting a goal from your second unit with Jonathan Marsh so chipping in yesterday. Like, that's got to be huge for the Golden Knights' confidence with the man advantage. What do you say? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, that, that you know, it's, it's funny because I think we focus so much on special teams for the first, what, quarter of the season. There were people who complained about it carrying over from the end of last season, but now it sounds like, or it seems like, at least the power play has gotten back on track. You look at the Dallas and the Philadelphia game and you think to yourself, all right, maybe those were just blips. You know, because you're not going to be perfect every night. I mean, you are going to give up power play goals to the opposing team. It's the NHL. Sometimes that just happens. But it seems like the Dallas and Philadelphia game are just aberrations. And they, they it certainly hasn't developed into a trend where it's seeming like they've turned the corner on the power play. seems like it's starting to become a trend. It seems like they've been a lot better lately. Um, there was maybe one game where we were like, wow, this isn't good. But outside of that, the last two or three weeks, especially since Patch Reddy's gotten back into the lineup, power plays looked a lot better. What's really funny about it is I like the first power play against Minnesota. I, I, that first power play of the game for the Golden Knights, I didn't like it. Everything else from that point forward, it was almost like a flip switched. And the Golden Knights kind of made that decision, right? That their power play was going to be something that did not suck momentum out of their game. Instead, it buoyed them in tough, difficult situations. And that's really what you've been able to get from the Golden Knights. And the stance from a lot of fans right now on the power play has softened quite a bit. And I think it's softened because you're not just getting production. You're not just getting goals uh, to go for you. You're not just improving the power play percentage you're getting impactful goals, right? Like you're getting goals that mean something. It's not every it's not every day in the NHL you have two consecutive games in which a team scores on the power play with less than a second left in the game, and the Golden Knights were on both sides of that equation. And they end up winning both games. So it happened to them against Minnesota. They come back, they've got the mental resolve, they win. And it happens for them against the Boston Bruins. And I think that's kind of what I mean in, in making your own luck. The Golden Knights... 
saw an opportunity in that game against the Boston Bruins to really put this one away, out of reach early on. And, you know, you go to that first intermission, you're up two to nothing, you got some carryover time on the power play. If you're the Bruins, like you're still feeling pretty confident that you can come back, even without Brad Marchand, like even without, you know, some of the players that you, you didn't have in the lineup, you're still pretty confident that you can kind of close that gap. The Golden Knights make it three to nothing. That to me, and I don't know about you, I'm not sure, Chris, where you stand on this one. But that was kind of the game for me. Like I felt that third goal for the Golden Knights on the power play, I, it just kind of felt like the Boston Bruins knew they weren't coming back in that one. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there. That was the play, I think. But there was also the save by Leonard. I can't remember who it was. Was it DeBrusque who had the breakaway and he just, or no, Charlie Coyle, who who just couldn't get the puck up over Robin Leonard's pads. I mean, to me, that that was kind of. It, it was pretty much the the what the Bruins' night was. Golden Knights were better than them in every aspect of that game, and and yeah, I mean, when when you put that third goal in, it was almost like lights out Boston. They knew that it was over, and I think at that point they were just trying not to get embarrassed. You know, you mentioned Robin Leonard, and I think that's kind of the other big key coming out of the game against the Boston Bruins was uh, a, an outing for Robin Leonard in which he kept the opponents to one or less. And, and you, you needed that. I think for, for Robin's sake, you wanted to have a game uh, like that. And it certainly was that for the Vegas Golden Knights. But, you know, I, I look at it and I say, okay, slumps happen. Like Robin knows he's got to be better. And, and I expected that he would be. Wasn't tested a ton, but, you know, that save on Charlie Coyle, that was a big one in the context of the game. It was important for Robin to come up with that one. And you know what? Quietly goes about his business, trusting in his defense in front of him, and has perhaps one of his better, most solid statistical games of the year. I think that's important, especially when you consider it's likely Robin Leonard's going to get the game against the Rangers. So you want to make sure he's feeling dialed in and confident about his game. I just wanted to sit back for the first little bit and, and, and listen. Sometimes it's nice just to uh, absorb and uh, sort of be the fly on the wall. You, you guys covered all the, the key points uh, between the offense and, and the defense and Robin Leonard. Uh, there's a, a lot there. Special teams uh, included in that. Timely goals. But one thing, and it's not the sexiest subject, and so that's why I try and hold off on, on jumping in. They aren't giving up anything. And yeah. they didn't give up anything against the Minnesota Wild. They were really good. Locked down. Uh, they didn't give up a bunch to the to the Philadelphia Flyers, even though they lost the game. And the, the Calgary Flames game was, was arguably their best game of the year until last night. Like On the defensive side of the puck... You don't sell tickets on, on that side, but, boy, do you win a lot of hockey games on that side. And and yesterday was from a from a just opportunity for the opposition point of view. They were locked in. And that can be a dangerous game for the goaltender because if you don't play great, like the, the Philadelphia game, uh, Laurent Brassois comes out of that wishing that he would have made a couple of saves because uh, they, they were much better than, than the Philadelphia Flyers, and he didn't, and it kind of highlights it because you badly outplayed them. Last night's the same way for Robin Leonard. It's, it's, the magnifying glass is, is uh, zeroed in on you because you're not facing a lot of action. You're not having to come up with big saves, and 
And he came up uh, with a solid performance, and I think a solid performance on the uh, on the heels of the overall defensive performance might be the most encouraging thing beyond all the the sexy headlines of point streaks and and goal streaks. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right on the money there. And for the Golden Knights to go on a run, and we we've talked about this stretch this eight-game stretch of games before Christmas, before the break, and, and if the Golden Knights were going to go on a run and if they were going to move up the standings in the Pacific Division, it was going to have to be predicated on kind of that attention to detail, getting back to the game where the Golden Knights aren't allowing a ton of chances uh, against, and, and that's really what they've been over the last week or so of play They've been locked in, and, and it's no surprise to me that once you've gotten to this point, once you've kind of established that defensive aspect of your game, the wins are coming. Yeah, and then you couple it with, with an offense that is clicking as much as we've ever seen this, this offense going, and especially on, on the road, too. Uh, what they've been able to do uh, away from T-Mobile has been a more impressive than the number of points that they're they're lighting up the scoreboard uh, at uh, at the fortress. So uh, it's it's starting to come together. And uh, I'm going to talk to Pete in, in the next hour, and I'll have to ask him about uh, when when you can start judging this team. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of on the fence of of is it, is it too soon? Um, uh, certainly, you you can't judge what happened in the first 22 games. Uh, because of all, all the injuries. But the way they're playing right now, even without Martinez, even without Patrick, even without Jack Eichel, uh, there's enough of the personnel in the lineup that you can get a gauge of of where this team is going, where uh, this team's capable of playing. And uh, when you add in the special teams to the five-on-five play, and, and this team is one of the strongest in the National Hockey League at even strength. You start getting some production in the power play; they're tough to beat. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I think I think that's been kind of the main frustration with the power play, right? Like in in looking at this hockey club, in looking at what they do right, what they do well, and that is how well they play at even strength most yeah. nights. You look at a power play that, that's operating at 26%, 27%, or even 22%. That helps you win one or two extra games. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of the main thing that was missing last year for the Golden Knights. It was something you wanted to see improve this year. And I know the numbers early on are going to skew everything for the Golden Knights uh, in terms of what their percentage is going to be at the end of the year. But right now, over the last four or five games, power play has been clicking and it's been working and it hasn't been sucking momentum. And I think that's the main thing for me. Uh, Chapman, can you just look up what the power play was a year ago for the Vegas Golden Knights? I, I want to be accurate when we cite this and and compare it to, to where they are right now. It, it's a hot-button subject. And it's almost like you're, uh, there's there's nothing else to, to talk about because where where else is there to criticize? Special teams has been an area where you could have won a couple more games if if one you, you kill a couple penalties 
and to uh, the power play. The power play is wide open because of where it was in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the two two runs, which end in the third round. Uh, I should always mention it. It the runs ended in the third round. <laughs> Which is 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 not like it, it dried up in the uh, in the opening uh, series or the second round. Uh, so uh, it 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 is it is always going to loop back to that. Challenge. So last year, power play percentage was seventeen point eight two percent. League average was nineteen point seven eight percent. Okay, so seventeen percent. Your numbers that you just cited, Ryan, they're above mm-hmm. that. You're, you're, it's yep. it's clicking better and. And I dare say it's it's not going to fall back. I don't think you're going to go through one of those slumps, uh, famous last words. But Martinez back, Eichel. I mean, you're, you're going to add a couple of big pieces. And I think uh, Eichel uh, is is a big positive part of the power play. But I also believe uh, Alec Martinez scores some big goals with the man advantage uh, and his ability with that one-timer uh, over on the right uh, flank on the, on the second unit. Uh, so I... I think you're you're in a good spot. If you're a Golden Knight fan right now, you're in a really good spot. Not just because you beat the Boston Bruins last night and started the road trip uh, with a victory. Uh, not just because you've lumped, uh, uh, jumped into uh, a top three position in in the Pacific Division. Not just because you've got the most wins in the Pacific Division. But how this team has has started to put it all together uh, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I. I... I think the power play for me has has been really strong the last couple of games. The penalty kill has gotten itself back on track after a rough couple of games. And the Golden Knights 5-on-5 play has not tailed off at all. From Calgary through last night against the Boston Bruins, 5-on-5, the Golden Knights have been dominant. And as long as they can continue to play that way, and I see no reason why they can't, that's why I looked at this road trip as a big, big opportunity for the Golden Knights to move up the standings, to get some points, and really establish where they wanted to be within this Pacific Division at the beginning of the year. That was as enjoyable of a victory last night as I've watched the Golden Knights produce in a long time. There was no drama. Uh, they controlled the, the puck and were locked in defensively, and we we got to see some streaks continue. There, there was nothing that you could criticize that performance last night. So much so that that Elliot and I uh, just put it out there and started campaigning uh, for a, a true nickname for the Stone Stevenson Pacioretty line and got some great responses. MCM mm-hmm. f- Grand was a great one. Wow. That one, Wow, I'm not going to lie, was my favorite. He didn't win, but that hmm. was my, my favorite. The Coventry line, pretty good. Uh, we got uh, uh, a couple of other ones that were, oh, the Fossil line was good, but not because they're old, because, uh, because of 5 o'clock shadow. I thought that was good. Uh, five o'clock shadow line, little creative there. But the one uh, that we that we centered on actually was one of the earlier suggestions, and it was money line, little Vegas hmm. Vegas title there, money line, and yep. then uh, they yep. come up money. So for so now Elliot and I have made it official that Stone Stevenson Pacioretty line will forever 
be known as the money line. Justin. So I, I got to call you out on this because here you are <laughs> giving the Chandler Stevenson line a nickname. Yet when Jack Eichel shows up, you want to break the line up and put Jack Eichel up top with the, with Pacioretty and Stone. I know. I I I don't. So I, I think maybe deep down inside you don't want to break up that line. Nope. And, no, I and, think deep down inside he's listening to reason. Nope. <laughs> I, I absolutely and, and we got a, a few responses to what happens when what happens when. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy this right now. They they deserve they deserve a nickname that line. And Chandler Stevenson isn't just like along for the ride. He made plays again last night that that initiate the goals. Like the the key play on the first goal. Was him. Ben Hutton gets mm-hmm. the primary assist, but it was Stevenson's work behind the net and making the beautiful feed. And then the assist to uh, Pacioretty on the breakaway goal. Wow. Like, can you can you yep. put a puck in a better spot uh, than that? So, yeah, Chandler Stevenson's going. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, and we are we are a couple of months away from any decisions having to be made uh, on this whole Eichel Stevenson standpoint. But uh, it 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 does open up the possibility that uh, that you you put Eichel down the lineup to get his feet wet and and get going a little bit, and then you have to to make a decision. Um, I'm not shying away from my initial uh, opinion that Eichel has to play in your top line, but the money line, that's what they are right now. And can can you believe, like of all the streaks? Okay, you got Stevenson seven points last two games. Mm-hmm. That may that may be the best ever. He may not have back to back games better than that. That's incredible what he's just done in in yep. consecutive games. And yep. then you have Stone and Pacioretty with nine game point streaks. Yep. Nobody's talking about that at all. No. Nine game point streaks by mm-hmm. both guys. Pacioretty, seven games in a row. With a goal, a personal record, and a Vegas Golden Knight record extended by Max Pacioretty. That that line is just taking control. Can 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 three players be the three stars of the week? Can they do that? Has that ever they happened could. in the National they Hockey League, uh, where where the, the NHL on Monday says the three stars of the week are uh, Mark Stone uh, with a. Uh, 13-game uh, point streak, or what What would it be? Uh, be Like three or four games. Yeah. So he's Star got, of the week. So he's got uh, a three. So it would be 12-game point streak on, on Monday. 12-game point streak mm-hmm. is Mark Stone. Uh, your second star is Chandler Stevenson, who had uh, 14 points last week. And the first star is Max Pacioretty, who has a 10-game goal-scoring streak. That, those those are your three stars, all from the Vegas Knights. They all play together. Uh, just look mm-hmm. at the Vegas Knights uh, game log, and you'll understand why. I mean, I don't know if it's ever happened before. It might really, really irk John Tortorella if it does. But um, all that being said, listen. fine. Thanks for asking, you're, though. You're, you're continuing to, to bang this drum, and this this is a line that I, I, don't, I don't know that you can get any better. No. Than what you're getting out of those three players together, right? Like, it is it is a line that dominates play when everyone's going, when Chandler Stevenson's going, and Max Pacioretty's going, and Mark Stone's going. They dominate play. They make plays in the offensive zone. They just do 
whatever they want on the ice at any point in time. I'm going and to right make now, a suggestion. They're on an absolute heater. I'm going to make a suggestion for everybody. Enjoy it. Don't wonder about what's going to happen in two months. Don't speculate about where Chandler Stevenson's going to play when Jack Eichel gets here and is cleared to suit up and get into game action. Just enjoy this. Because at this point, there's going to be – Chandler Stevenson's playing so well that now you have a decision where in any other case, there isn't one. That's how good uh, he's, he's been. And just sit back and uh, and let's let's just watch and smile and and boy, oh, and the first goal last night might have been my favorite, just because nobody in the rink knew the puck went in the net. <laughs> Shea Theodore's <laughs> shot goes off Derek Forbert, and it was looked like it was yep. going to be a foot and a half high over the crossbar. Gets caught up in his paraphernalia and and finds the smallest of holes uh, over the shoulder of of Jeremy Swayman. And nobody in the rink knew it. I don't think the fans mm-hmm. knew it. The players on the ice didn't know it. Mark Stone, it was two and a half seconds before before he saw it win in the net. And from there, Vegas rolled. I, that that late goal was, was the nail in the coffin, but I don't think they gave up enough uh, to ever make that uh, a, a threatening game. There was a great save off uh, Charlie Coyle on a giveaway. Uh, Jake DeBrusque had, had a shot or two. But uh, but that was that was really impressive on both sides of the of of the puck. Yeah, it was a no doubter. It was an absolute no yeah. doubt game for the Vegas Golden Knights. And and you know what? On your first game of a four game road trip where you're looking to do some damage, turning that one into a no doubter that's a positive build building block for momentum the rest of this trip. Yeah, and and don't give me this whole Brad Marchand wasn't in the lineup. Uh, and they were short, short-handed. Uh, don't give me that. I, I saw a couple of posts on that. Uh, I'm not buying it just because of what this team went through uh, earlier. It's a big, it's a big loss, <laughs> significant sure. loss uh, yeah. to them. Uh, not, not having their leading scorer in uh, the lineup, but it, they also like bumped up a former MVP to that spot. <laughs> uh, so when you, when you, when you had the luxury of doing something like that in moving Taylor Hall uh, up to Brad Marchand's line, it's uh, it's a pretty good substitute uh, for for what happened. Uh, interesting. Both teams went east for that game. The Boston Bruins were coming off the road. They they came home, and Elliot and I were mm-hmm. discussing: is it is it going east? That it was the problem, or is it the first game of a road trip? That's uh, or for Vegas, it was the first game of a road trip. There seemed to be more enthusiasm, more energy in in their game than the first game coming home off a road trip. I don't know what makes and goes into that. Whether it's the distractions coming off a road trip and you're back with family and you're you're getting settled and et cetera. I think there is certainly something to that. Um, ha- having been uh, on on road trips before. And and how you have to find a way to quickly turn it around and get back into into action. Uh, there there's that, but but it, it wasn't even close for two both teams that went east. So you can stroke out that whole uh, time zone thing. Yeah, I I don't think it has anything to do with time zones. I think the Golden Knights are just a deeper, better team than the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Well, normally, Vegas, if you have the option, would go a day early. Teams would always go a day early, and then have that. Full day. So instead of uh, flying out on uh, Monday for that game, they would have flew out Sunday, and then had practice Monday in in, in Boston, 
and then and then played on Tuesday. That's the primary. That's what you would like to do. I uh, didn't get that chance, but it didn't matter. Now they now they move on to the uh, New Jersey Devils, New York Rangers, and the New York Islanders. And the Devils are up next. Uh, we'll speak with their analyst, Ken Danico, from the NHL Network as we roll on on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Christmas has come early this week because we get afternoon hockey. Three o'clock pregame show Thursday and Friday ahead of the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers as the Vegas Golden Knights continue their four-game road trip. Uh, New Jersey tomorrow night. And with more, let's uh, bring in our friend from the NHL Network, uh, does the New Jersey Devil Games. Uh, here is Ken Denico with uh, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Uh, Kenny, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you, fellas? Uh, we're doing great. Uh, give us the, the little backstory on on the devil season, for those that don't follow closely. <laughs> it's been up and down. I mean, you don't have to go Oof. as in-depth because it's, it's been a pretty interesting ride. It really has. I mean, obviously they felt they were going to take steps, and they certainly did the first 10 games, and they're a fast team. And when they execute and use that speed to their advantage, and they've got some young players, one of the younger teams in the league, but Fans don't always want to hear that, uh, guys, but they certainly are. But when they're executing and moving the puck and using their speed, they're effective. And they had a real good start to the season. Yes, we knew they could uh, fall into some uh, ruts along the way, and they certainly have, have as of late with puck management and just just playing sloppy. And it uh, re- really reared its ugly head last night against the Philadelphia Flyers. And so I, I think from a Devils perspective, they're hoping that that maybe is a bottoming out when you go into a slump uh, or have a tough time, and they certainly have had that. Because a lot of their games where they did lose prior to that, they were competitive. They just couldn't find a way to finish and and, and get a two-goal lead. They took leads in a lot of those games, and they needed that second goal or not getting the big save. And that's kind of what a microcosm of the season. Uh, Are they a better team? No question about it, in my estimation, following them closely. But have they not played very well as of late? That is an understatement as well. So I think they're somewhere in between. They've took, taken a few steps, but right now uh, they they have to dig themselves out of a hole and not playing with a lot of confidence. And, and last night was kind of the epitome of that against the Flyers in the five one uh, six one grubbing. Tough division, Kenny. But did you expect them to be closer to a top three spot at this point? Well, you know what? I, I think before the season we expected maybe, uh, you know, hopefully they have meaningful games late March and in or, or late February into March. Certainly, that was uh, something you know believed that was possible, and it still may be possible. You know, you know, it's a long season. We'll see here. Goaltending has to be more consistent. Mackenzie Blackwood, look, when he's on his game, a lot of people think he can be, including myself, can be a top five, top ten goaltender in this league, but. The consistency has been an issue. Jonathan Bernier, the veteran they signed to be their 1A goaltender, uh, hasn't worked out from the standpoint he played well early, but now he's uh, on the injured reserve and maybe for a while. And, and it all starts with goaltending for me, guys. Their defense is much better. Hamilton and Graves have done a good job. Graves is out with COVID right now. But collectively, when they go south, they go south. And, and now, uh, Maybe where they are right now, no, it's a little lower than maybe anticipated at this point of the season, but let's see what happens the rest of the way. But I thought 
it might be tough to make the playoffs, certainly in that division, no question about it. But but they need to show improvement and make strides, and and uh, it hasn't been that as of late. And a lot of hockey left. New Jersey Devils face the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you can listen to it tomorrow on Fox Sports Las Vegas pregame show with Ryan Wallace at 3 o'clock. Face off just after 4 as we bring you the Vegas Golden Knights on the home of VGK Hockey, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace with Ken Danico. You know, Ken, one of the players that I think a lot of people are focused in, clued in on with the New Jersey Devils is Jack Hughes and, and had a really electric start to the year, uh, but then got injured, came back. He's been back for seven games, four points in those seven games. How, how long do you expect it's going to take b- before Jack Hughes kind of gets himself back to the level he was at to start the year? Well, it's coming. You can see him uh, getting a little more into game shape, as they say, and finding his legs and timing and comfortability again. But when you miss that much of time, that amount of time and you're a young player, it, it, it will, it's not going to be uh, perfect for you from the start. Now, he had a real good game against the Islanders. He had a tough one last night against Philadelphia. Is he the most dynamic player for the Devils? Will he be moving forward? And that's why they believe so, and they took the risk of signing him to a, long year, a long-term deal. And, and I think – uh, that was a positive from the standpoint the Devils were proactive. They they, they feel Jack Hughes is, is the cornerstone of this franchise. I do as well, but he still has to learn along the way here to uh, when to make a play, when there's nothing there, you just can't force it. And that's what he did a little bit last night against the Flyers. And I think it's a balancing act for young gifted guys. You don't want to stifle his creativity. There's no question about that. He's a very confident young man. He, he can be a leader on this team and uh, – He's a guy that uh, a lot of us believe in, but again, there's going to be growing pains, and I think it's going to take him, I would say, another five, six, seven games where we see uh, the best of Jack Hughes and certainly what we start the start of the season where he came out of a gate like a rocket ship, albeit only four periods. He was a dominating force. The puck is on his stick a lot, and just uh, from the analytics standpoint early on, you know, as far as zone exit, zone entries, puck possession, offenses on, he was near the top in the National Hockey League. In a lot of those categories, which is important from the standpoint the Devils need to up their skill level uh, as they continue to grow with this young team, but it's getting there because there's a lot of good young prospects. They're going to rely heavily on Jack Hughes, but for me the learning curve is he was dominant at every level he played, and and the game is easy for you with that kind of skill and skating ability, and you think the game a little differently uh, than other players, but you're in the best league in the world now, and uh, you can't just carelessly – throw a backhand saucer every time uh, and expect it not to be picked off and going the other way. That's going to happen. That's just him learning the game, learning the National Hockey League, that uh, what you can and what you can't do. But but I'm excited about his future. I think he's going to be a very special player. Boy, there's no substitute for experience, is there? You don't, no matter right. how good you are. No question about that. I mean, certainly some guys come in this league, there's only a – Rare few. There's not many McDavid's. That's why they're called generational players or Crosby when he came in the National Hockey League or even Austin Matthews. Those are considered generational players. Jack Hughes is a very, very good player. Can he be a star in this league? Possibly. No question about it. But you're absolutely right. You've got to experience it. You've got to go through it. And especially, let's face it, when he came back, the Devils were kind of starting to play not as well in that that affects you as well. So you try to do a little too much. It's noble, but Jack Hughes got to understand he can't do it all on his own for sure. And, and those are the, the things you learn as a young player, a young 
player very gifted as Jack Hughes is. Uh, how's my buddy Lindy doing? Uh, Lindy's a great man. He, yeah. He's doing well, but he, he even said it before, and I think these guys really enjoy playing for him. He's got so much experience and, and done so much in this league that uh, he understands what they're going through now. But he said it himself, uh, we're in the business of winning, and he knows that uh, he's got to produce as far as wins and losses along the way here because something will give eventually. And unfortunately in this league, and I'm not saying that's happening and that's not even talked about because this is a young team, again, that uh, is in a retool, I would like to say, maybe not a rebuild. And I think he's the perfect guy, and his demeanor is great and everything else, but he knows they got to win games. He's been through it, uh, and usually – what ends up happening is, as we've seen, guys, when you're not as successful as you hope to be, it's the coach. And a lot of the responsibility should fall on the players. they got to take ownership. And that's what this young group is, is trying to figure out. And I think collectively, along with Nico, he's sure leading the way. And obviously he's out with COVID right now, and that's unfortunate. So they're missing some pieces. And uh, But Lindy, uh, I, I've really enjoyed him and, and what he's done with this young group overall. But now it's about getting results. You watch Lindy on the bench, you don't realize how much fun he is just to hang out with yeah. or talk to. Like it's a it's a different guy. He's got the game face, and then uh, then you got Lindy uh, behind I'm the so scenes. He's so knowledgeable. Yeah. The few times I've been able to talk with a little hockey with him. I played against Lindy Ruff and butted hands with him, and I know how competitive he was. And, and he certainly takes this to heart, and he, he's trying to teach these young guys along the way, but you have to mix in trying to, to win hockey games as well. So yeah. that's a a balancing act he has to work with because it's not a veteran team. It's not a ready-made team that you know is going to be a playoff team. They're trying to get there. And I think Lindy Ruff, for the most part, has done a really good job. He He's really knowledgeable, and he understands uh, the nuances of, of young players growing together. And it gets frustrating for him. I know that because he's yeah. seen the results first 10 games, 12 games, where they were rewarded for their play. But it has to be on more of a consistent basis, and that's the toughest part, I think, with with a group of good, young, talented young players that you got to be consistent on most nights. Yeah, you're not going to have your best every night, but how do you manage it? Are you able to find ways to win? And I speak from, you know, being fortunate to be on some successful teams, and yeah, we were veteran-laden, but if we are at 70% some nights, just didn't have our legs because you're not going to have it every night, or your mind wasn't there. You, you can do enough to win in game three to two, and I think that's such an important element in this league, especially with the competitive balance, uh, that you got to win games maybe you don't deserve to on, on certain mm-hmm. nights. And I think for a young group, that's a little more difficult. That's what's impressed me about what Anaheim's done this year, is uh, being able to mm-hmm. do that with a young team. Uh, Ken Danico's with us. Uh, Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard on the VGK Insider Show. So, Ken, when you kind of assess the next opponent for the New Jersey Devils, it's the Vegas Golden Knights, where's where's your read right now on this team that went through a lot of injuries early on in the year, but right now rounding into form and playing Golden Knights hockey? Well, I think simply put, they're a contender. They have been since day one coming in the National Hockey League, which was the surprise, obviously, the inaugural year, and, and they raised the bar quickly. I mean, I always talk about teams – raising the bar, and I was on those teams, I humbly say, where it's Stanley Cup or bust, and I think that's the mentality the Vegas Golden Knights have, and they're finding their groove right now, so this is gonna be, this could be a nightmare for the Devils, but you got to try to beat some good teams along the way, or maybe for them anyway, it's try to uh, win a hockey game no matter who you're playing, and it's more difficult the way Vegas is playing. They're balanced. I mean, I can't imagine when Jack Eichel comes back, 
where he fits or fits into the lineup when he gets healthy. That's going to give him that much more depth. You know where I'm really impressed with the Knights? So, I mean, I always see it with, with teams to, to, to win it all, to go forward in rounds. You need development of young players, players that are role players, but guys that are real valuable. That's like on the back end, like a white cloud and a hag. I've really seen the development of those two guys, and they, they're getting more experience. They're going to be better uh, come playoff time and down the stretch uh, uh, near the end of the season where you've been through it a little bit. Yeah, you've got, you need your star power and you got that in Stone and Pacioretty and Stevenson doing a great job with that number one line and, and some good depth along the way, the Carlsons and Marcia Sos and Riley's, all those types of players. So it's a balanced team, but, but you're seeing these young guys too that are, that are important. They're big, they're mobile. Come playoff time, those guys are so valuable and that experience that they've, gained over the last few years is invaluable. So I, I th- if Robin Leonard continues to play the way he's capable of and, and you know, thrive in that number one role, more games and not being splitting up, and, and apparently it looks like he can handle that, well, there's no question in my mind the Vegas Golden Knights uh, are going to be another uh, team to re- be reckoned with and, and be a Stanley Cup contender, uh, no question about it. Now they've got – a division where, guys, in the Pacific, where a lot of people thought that was going to be the weakest division, as it's turned out with the improvement of teams like Anaheim that you just mentioned, the L.A. Kings, the Sharks, a big turnaround this year. That might be the most competitive division yeah, right now you're right. in the National Hockey League. We know Edmonton's reeling a little bit, and they got to try to figure it out. But that's a fun division. That's a division where there's no, no easy two points on certain nights because every team has gotten better around them. But I still put Vegas right at the top as far as cream of the crop in the division, cream of the crop in the conference, and uh, it should be fun the rest of the way. We'll see, and, and especially when they, they get a dynamic player like Jack Eichel. It will take him time. He's not going to be, you know, uh, a star right out of the gate as far as dominating games, I would think, because he hasn't played in a while. But, boy, is he going to be another element that maybe they were missing when they couldn't score come playoff time or got stifled a little bit, which happens to every team, especially come class where the – the rink shrinks, as they say. Well, I know you watch a lot of hockey, and uh, through your uh, opportunities to, to work at the network, uh, you're all over the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Do me a favor, uh, and, and I know you will, but I'm going to text you on Friday and just uh, get an idea. As you watch Zach Whitecloud and Nick Hag in person, uh, I'm really curious about your feedback as a, as a former <laughs> defenseman and, and what uh, you see, because they, they, they are, they, they're young. But but they've got uh, swagger and confidence, and it's it's really cool to see the kids moving in with this group that includes uh, Petro and Theodore uh, and and Braden McNabb. No question, and that's exactly why I brought those two yeah. guys up. Is because I remember the teams that I was on that had success. We had a good group of young guys, a good group of middle aged guys. You need everything a little sprinkled in to have balance, and then the wily old veterans. And I think Vegas is kind of built like that right now. They've made some bold moves over the years, we know, because that bar is always raised after going to the Stanley Cup Finals in year one. But I, I really love watching the young players develop. And guys that you have to have, they don't get as much recognition because when you have star power or there's other defensemen that are a little more flashy uh, throughout the league or in their division. But, boy, I, those big, strong guys that are pretty mobile, move the puck well, uh, are so valuable. And I think those two have really gotten better and, and they're going to continue to improve, and, and sky's the limit for those two guys, and they're so valuable in crunch time because of their big frames, because they're capable of winning one-on-one battles along the wall, which you have to do 
in the playoffs and go for four grueling rounds if you're going to win the cup. And the best part is they can make plays. They can no, get involved. It's not just uh, like being the safe safe player out 12 there. Twelve points for Hag, five goals for White Cloud. Yeah, that's impressive for guys that, and they're relied on to be strong defensively and shut down top guys. And yeah, you got Petro, the leader there, and he's got acclimated there in Vegas. And you got Theodore with a lot of flash and dash, and his game is rounding uh, out right now and starting to play his best hockey. So it's a deep team, and I say that not just because I'm talking to you guys in Vegas. That defense and defense is everything come playoffs to me, and you need a good balance. And right now it looks like with the development of of a hag and a white cloud that you got some pretty nice balance back. Hey, uh, I'll fire your note on Friday. Get really curious to see what, uh, what your you thoughts got are it. to see them uh, in person. Uh, thanks, Kenny. Uh, be well and enjoy the game tomorrow night. Thanks for having me on, guys. Pleasure. There's Ken Danico from the NHL Network, also calls the New Jersey Devil Games. You, you, you hear the excitement talking about young defensemen? Like, he, mm-hmm. He's already a passionate hockey guy, but then it just went up and up. And oh, it, for sure. All of a yeah. sudden, he, he, can, he could have talked for two hours. Uh, about young defensemen. Yeah, and I, I, you know, those two young defensemen in particular, and Zach Whitecloud and Nick Haig, who have just done everything you could ask them to do and more for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you want to know why the Golden Knights were able to keep their heads above water with all the injuries and why they've continued to kind of turn the corner and play strong defensively. Uh, Zach Whitecloud getting back in the lineup, Nick Haig growing into a role alongside Alex Petrangelo. You need young players to come in and and make an impact, make a difference, and those two are doing it for the Vegas Golden Knights right now. Uh, really disappointed. I, I wanted to see the captain so bad uh, because he's he's been through the ringer uh, with with injuries and, and so forth, and not going to uh, because of COVID. And COVID's starting to become a real story uh, around the National Hockey League, around professional sports. But uh, in this show's eyes, uh, it's it's the impact on the NHL and. I'd be lying to you if I wasn't a little bit concerned right now about where they are. And I've got some news, uh, just uh, some behind-the-scenes uh, chatter, what's what's happening uh, regarding where the National Hockey League is going to go to try and make sure that, uh, that they are uh, taking care of the players and ensuring uh, safety and, uh, and trying to guard against uh, as many postponements as possible. And you know that three-week window in February? Mm-hmm. What's that? What's the tournament that's supposed to happen in that in that window? That's the Olympics. Oh, the Olympics, right? If they don't go, then you have got this three weeks without National Hockey League action. I'm going to tell you where the NHL is on what to do with that space should they decide not to go to China. Hmm. We have tickets to give away. What are the tickets for? Well, we got two tickets for uh, Golden Knights hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning Tuesday, the 21st. First of game December. back with them road trip. Yeah, those are always fun games when they play the Lightning, by the way. Awesome. Yeah. You, you know everybody's records when they've been here and last games. And like it's somehow it's like embedded in the front of your mind. Well, the first thing that jumps out when I think of Tampa Bay Lightning Golden Knights is Shea Theodore's winner in year one. Oh, is that right? That's the first thing I think of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, that's uh, that's. I actually chatted with uh, John Cooper today, just uh, sort of off the record and, and on the side, not uh, not type of interview, just touching base. They've been to overtime eleven times, eleven <laughs> times already. So they're they're finding ways to get points, and they're in that tough division with Florida and Toronto 
is going like uh, great gangbusters. Uh, but uh, it's they're 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 grinding it out right now uh, with the with the Tampa Bay Lightning. First game back from the road trip is uh, December twenty first uh, next Tuesday. Uh, 702-876-1340, 702-876-1340. Ryan, give us a number for Chapman to give away these tickets. Caller number 11. Caller, any reason why? Just the overtime? they've been to overtime 11 times. I I wanted to make sure. I didn't want to just be the, like, uh, assume. You know what happens there. Uh, Caller number 11 to 702-876-1340. You will go to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Vegas Golden Knights at the Fortress next week. When we continue the play of the day, you will hear from Pete DeBoer. I chatted with him earlier today. And our one-timer segment, news and notes from around the National Hockey League, and there's some juicy ones coming up regarding the Olympic break. It's uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Uh, we've got the uh, ratings for last night's 4-1 win over the Boston Bruins by the Vegas Golden Knights. Coming up in hour number two, we'll also sit down with Coach Pete DeBoer as the team rolls into New York. Four games against the Devils, Rangers, and Islanders. But first, the play of the day from last night at the TD Garden in Boston. Stevenson's got the puck right now. Centering, rifles it up for Pacioretty, cuts in, in front, he scores! Seven games in a row, Max Pacioretty has scored a goal. This one gives Vegas a 2-0 lead. Pacioretty, red hot. Seven games in a row. Do you guys know what the record is? I'm going to guess, I don't know, I would guess 13. Ryan, what's the record? I'm going to go in the 20. 